we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 11th, 2014. Got a ton more to cover. Uh, continuing on with the theme, we're going to go back now to Uganda. Um, and here's the next report where it's, you can watch this, I guess. Ugandan president leads five-hour parade celebrating the jail, the gays law. Okay, this is the law they passed against the uh, gays. Okay. He had a five-hour parade to celebrate it. This is after the guys, the 40 former gay guys in diapers with all kinds of diseases visited him and must have really got his attention because then he totally did, I guess, a 180. He was getting ready to sign this thing into law and he did a 180 and and said, no, I will not do it and, and totally changed course here. Uh, participants in the parade carried signs through the capital city with messages reading uh, Museveni, who is the president, his last name, Museveni, thank you for saving the future of Uganda. And homosexuality plus AIDS, uh, okay, homosexuality plus AIDS equals 100%, meaning if you're homosexual and I guess... Homosexuality plus AIDS equals 100%, meaning you're going to have AIDS 100%, okay, at the time. Uh, and then, Obama, we want trade, not homosexuality. In other words, we're trying to shove this uh, this gay agenda down Uganda and every other country on the planet that gets aid from us. You know, that's one of the many things our wicked government's doing. And here's a picture of them uh, at the parade holding up these signs um, that I just talked about. You can see a picture of them. In a none-too-subtle attempt to counter the pro-lesbian, bisexual, transgendered pride parades held in Uganda for the first time last year, so they actually had gay pride parades the year before, okay? Participants at the anti-gay rally that we're seeing here in these pictures carried professionally produced banners touting Uganda pride. But this is, they're proud that they're not accepting the gays. Okay. Member of Parliament, David Bahati, author of the original bill, which called for the death penalty in instances of aggravated homosexuality, meaning you got some devil gay guy that forces himself on a child or some other guy, well, guess what? You get to die. I think that's, I think it's appropriate, 100%. You know? You sodomize somebody, you get the death penalty. Well, this is what they're, this is what they're calling for. He lauded Museveni as a courageous independent leader for signing the law despite intense international opposition. See, every other country is going to condemn them. I mean, maybe not every, but, well, probably some in the Middle East that are Muslim because they condemn that. Uh, but, and I'm not promoting Muslim, okay? We're going to talk about that later. Uh, in fact, next. Uh, but this is, I mean, uh, this is an amazing thing that we're seeing here. And I mean, I was really encouraged by all this. It, it goes, uh, but, but Bahati, who is the, uh, again, the uh, member of parliament, said, quote, Today we come here to celebrate sovereignty and freedom and to take charge of our destiny. The citizens of Uganda are with you, Mr. President. The religious and cultural leaders are with you. Religious leaders? Oh, yeah. 
at least most of them it sounds. Wow, it'd be, it'd be wonderful if our 501c3 corporate collectively whores in the pulpit, and I'm not condemning all, but most, would actually make such a stand. No, 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 no. Today they go along with the gay agenda. They promote it. They welcome in them. Because they don't care if they go to, to heaven or hell as long as they get their money, as long as they're politically correct. As long as they don't offend anybody. That's all that matters. Anyway. The citizens that are with you, Mr. President, the religious and cultural leaders are with you. The, the members of parliament and the nation are behind you. See, that's the type of support you would need in order to stand strong as a president on this issue. He's got the whole, sounds like he's got the backing of, of the majority of the country here. And the government. <clears throat> Anti-gay religious leaders were out in force at the rally. And several took to the podium to address the crowd. Any gay religious leaders? Yeah. Joel Osteen flew over, you know, uh, with Rick Warren. And they all did their their big anti-gay speeches. Yeah. Like that ever happened. Oh, sorry. Anyway. No. Whoever they were... These guys actually had some backbone. Imagine that. And they were out in force at the rally and took and, and the several took to the podium to address the crowd, often directly referencing, get this, the millions in cuts to foreign aid provided to Uganda by European nations in the U.S. Oh, they're going to have to be punished. That was the first thing when I read this. I'm like, what are, what are the reprisals going to be? Last month, U.S. officials announced that more than 6.4 million in aid would be redirected away from the Interreligious Council of Uganda due to that agency's support of the anti-gay law. See, we are such a bastion of wonderfulness in America that we basically, you don't do what we want, you, you go against the gays, we're going to make you pay to the tune of 6.4 million in foreign aid until you learn your lesson. That's how wicked our government is. And again, how could not judgment be far off? President Museveni, who signed the law after saying he was convinced by a scientific report that gay people are made, not born, was the star of the half-day rally, earning laughs when he graphically described the unnatural characteristics of the same-sex sexual activity. Um, Anyway, let's go further. Next report. <clears throat> Ugandan police detain U.S. AIDS research project staffer suspected of promoting homosexuality. See, now their law actually has teeth. A U.S. US funded U.S. funded health project in Uganda has temporarily suspended its operations after a staff member was detained by police in accordance with the country's anti-gay law. A U.S.-funded health project has temporarily ceased operations after a member of staff was arrested for suspicion of involvement in and promotion of gay activities. See, we just we just spread wonderfulness everywhere we go, you know. Although the staff member has been released on bond, the project's office in Kampala has been shut down for the time being in order to ensure the safety of other workers. Homosexuality is banned in the African country, and this arrest comes two months after the Ugandan president... Museveni signed a law to enforce stricter punishments for acts of gay and lesbian sex. Get this. The U.S. 
funded health project conducts important research in Ebola, Marburg disease. Isn't that what I just talked about? Ebola? Yeah. And HIV. How actually we're going to be the ones creating the problem? We, we were the ones that created HIV. Ebola, they don't even supposedly know its source. Marburg's basically the same thing as Ebola. It's what it was called in the early days. Bioengineered. And we're the ones in charge of that. And then you have that show Outbreak that I got into recently where it talks about Ebola being a, or a, a, a virus a basically identical to Ebola being created in Africa. Huh. Weird. It has been an operation since 2002 and their main goal, here's their main goal of this wonderful research center, is to develop a vaccine for these viruses. Oh, really? That always works out so good. It did in the 1918-1919 Spanish flu where the people that were vaccinated were the ones that were literally dead Sometimes, literally the next day, from the black death the vaccine created. Oh, I'm sure nothing could go wrong there. And this is this is um, more of our U.S. aid at work here. Once again, the U.S. government imports corruption to another country. <laughs> next report. Scientific studies confirm a strong pedophilic predisposition among homosexuals meaning they're pedophiles, they're the majority, uh, at a disproportionate rate. While only making up less than 2% of the population, supposedly, very, very conservative estimates reports that homosexuals account for between 25 to 40% of all child molestation. When they say, oh, there's no correlation between homosexuals raping kids more, Oh no, the scientific, actual scientific studies that have been done say that even though you're less than 2% of the population, it's funny, you, 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 you um, contribute to 25 to 40% of all child rape, all child molestation. Isn't that funny? What a, what a weird, weird coincidence that is. I'm sure it had nothing to do with your wickedness, with all the devils in you. I'm sure it had nothing to do with that, right? You know... Researchers determine that the rate of homosexual versus heterosexual child abuse is staggering. What does the academic literature say about the relationship between homosexual and child molestation? Well, quite a bit. Actually, um, he wrote, quoting data compiled from the Family Research Center, scientific studies confirm a strong pedophilic predisposition among homosexuals. The Institute, after reviewing more than 19 studies in peer-reviewed reports, in this was in 1985, okay, it's way worse today, you know that, because things are getting more wicked. Psychological Reports article found that homosexuals account for between 25 and 40% of all child molestation. And yet, supposedly only comprise less than 2% of the population. Now, the Williams Institute, and this is, I added this in, the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law, a sexual or, orientation law and public policy think tank, estimates that 9 million, or about 3.8% of Americans, identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered in 2011. Now, again, like what I said, 
I see that percentage going up by the minute. Okay? Remember, too, we haven't totally got to the point in society where everybody who is gay or who is, let's say they're even bisexual, is going to come out waving their arms, screaming, hey, hey, look at me. In other words, there's a lot of ones that are still in the closet that won't admit it. The Institute also found that bisexuals make up, if you break down the 3.8%, bisexuals make up 1.8% of that population. 1.7% are gay. That would be, or lesbian, meaning they are homosexual. They just want to be with other guys, or women just want to be with other women. So 1.7% here. Transgendered adults make up 0.3% of the population. This report that I talked about says um, these 19 studies in these peer-reviewed reports from 1985, okay, called the Psychological Reports, which found between 25 and 40% of all child molestation were committed by homosexuals. But this number is low, meaning the 25 to 40%, the number's low. This was in 85. Um, Due to the fact that many reporters of the homosexual molestations will not report if a child molester is a homosexual. We've got to be politically correct. We have to protect the Muslims. We have to protect all the people that want abortion. We have to protect all the the, the gay child molesters. Because we have to be politically correct, right? We have to protect evil in this day and age. We don't want to expose it. We want to protect it. So, they will not report if a child molester is homosexual, even if he knows that to be the case. So who knows what the actual real numbers are on child molestation? Who knows? Maybe it's approaching 50%. Maybe it's more. I don't know. The North American Man-Boy Love Association, also known as NAMBLA. Now, this is real, okay? I've been talking about these devils for years. We need to, we need to just get on our, all get on our knees and pray for the absolute annihilation and destruction by God of these wicked, evil organizations and institutions. The North American Man-Boy Love Association, or NAMBLA, is a group that openly promotes sex with minor boys and claims that boy lovers respond to the needs of the boys they love. The group is often endorsed by many of the homosexual movement's most prominent leaders. In other words, people in the homosexual movement who are probably doing this just behind closed doors, raping Little boys, um, they're, oh, you better believe they're going to come out and endorse Nambla. They may not be a card-carrying member. That's a little much, yet. (laughs) But they'll endorse them just the same. Why? Because deep down, that's what I bet you they all want. Most of them. Deep down, let me ask you a question. Does depravity know any end? 
Is, is, is Satan ever satisfied with enough depravity? Well, then it would kind of make sense if you've got guys having orgies with one another and anonymous sex in these bathhouses and all of these other disgusting, vile places that they're not getting continually infused and more demon-possessed by the minute to the toenails. You're telling me that eventually they're not going to want to go there and have sex with a little boy? Until it just gets even more perverse. Wickedness begets wickedness. Satan is never satisfied. And the demons in those gay devils are never going to be satisfied. They're going to want more. They're going to want more debauchery. They're going to want to defile children. It all leads there. And I'm telling you, like I said... I check where where I came from in Fort Myers. It's gotten so bad since we left there. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just didn't see this type of, of stuff going on at the level. Not even anywhere near the level before we left. And now it's like, it's all child porn stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So I know that this is getting worse and worse and worse by the minute. It's like the devils are just being released from hell. And in and, and all of the witchcraft taking place on a worldwide level, they're invoking these things into our plane of existence. And the, and the evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, like it talks about in Second um, Timothy 3.13. So, so this is what we're, we're talking about here. Going back to the report, Dr. Judith Reisman, Reisman, president of the Institute for Media Education and author of numerous authoritative books debunking sexual myths, including Kinsey, Crimes and Consequences. There's links to all this here. In her thesis, she also written for Regent Regent University Law Review. Reisman cited psychologist Eugene Abel, whose research found that homosexuals sexually molest young boys with an incidence that is occurring five times greater than the molestation of girls. Abel also found that non-incarcerated, meaning these are people that aren't in jail, child molesters, admitted from 23.4 to 281.7 acts per offender whose target were males. Now let me say that again. What he found is that people, and I'm going to try to put this in layman's term, child molesters that weren't in jail, they interviewed them. They, these devils from the pits of hell admitted that in their lifetime, up to the point where they were living right now, they had anywhere from 23 to essentially 282 sexual acts with with little boys or or maybe teenagers or who knows maybe babies i don't know they target babies yeah they do i mean this is how sick it gets this is this is the average you got a non go up there and, and do a keyword search for child molesters in your area there's all those ways that it shows you exactly where they're at around you you can do you can do all kind of there's all there's different organizations that provide, and they tell you what street they live on, where they live, what their offense were, you will be absolutely nauseated 
to see all the devils that live around you. Unless you live way out in the sticks somewhere. You will be absolutely nauseated and full of righteous indignation to see all... And these are just the ones that were caught. Every day there's more and more people that are being... But for for how many are caught? Who knows how many are, are either becoming that or have never been caught. And the ones that were non-incarcerated of the child molesters they interviewed 23 to 282 acts per offender against boys or children. 282? And every time that dude is abusing a little boy, he's injecting them with devils. These people have forfeited the right to live. One of the reasons things are so wicked right now is because there's no judgment against this. There's no legal judgment. Oh yeah, let's slap them on the wrist, throw them in jail. No, they forfeited their right to live. You don't do this. No, you need to die. Now, I'm not saying anybody go out and kill somebody. I'm saying from a godly perspective, I believe they have forfeited their right to live. Jesus Christ said it is better that a millstone were hung about their neck and they be cast into the midst of the sea. It was better that this happened. What does that mean? Death? That they offend one of these little ones that believeth on me. You sodomize a little one that, let's say, was in Sunday school, and this happens a lot in churches. All kinds. It's the perfect cover. Oh, I can appear all religious, and I'm a pastor, or I'm this, or I'm a deacon, and this. And they're and they're 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 raping and molesting the kids in the church. Happens all the time. You see it come out. It's just it's the perfect cover for a pedophile. Perfect cover for a Satanist too. They covet those positions. It's well known. They do that. Perfect cover. It were better if that person had never been born. It were better if you go out and take a millstone, hang around your neck, and cast in the midst of the sea, than you do this. What is that? That's that's dying. That's death. Jesus Christ said it. Oh, he just he's just all about peace and love, and and he never no. Jesus Christ said, "Think that I not think that I come not to bring peace in this world, but a sword." And a man's foes will they be of his own household, mother against daughter, father against son. And I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ tends to divide. But these issues would also tend to divide. That's my opinion. You know. We've got all these perverts that are just living all around and who knows what they're doing behind closed doors. Not only with child pornography, but with what they're actually pulling off. And all of this is defiling the land. All of it is grieving God. And it's just one thing that's grieving God. Then you got the abortion, abortuaries and the abortion clinics where they're, they're killing little children wholesale in the mother's womb so they can make the money and also have child sacrifice going on under that roof. Sacrificing these things to Moloch, Chemosh, Lilith, whatever deity they're worshipping, Artemis. Because a lot of the actual owners of the abortion clinics are literally witches and warlocks and into the occult. And that's self-admitted. And I covered that whole thing in um, my teaching on abortion. Just key abortion in the keyword search box. Got that going on. Which is really, you know, probably the main thing that's, that's br- going to bring judgment on us. 
All of this is taking place at an increasing rate. How could God not judge this wicked, evil, debauched country? I'm not judging, and I'm not talking about my listeners of the born again saved remnant. I'm just saying in general. It is unbelievable. The rate of homosexual versus heterosexual child sexual abuse is staggering, says Reisman, who was the principal investigator for an $800,000 Justice Department grant studying child pornography and violence. Abel's data of 150 boys abused per male sex offender finds no equal. In other words, I think what they did is they averaged the 23 to 281.7 with all of the child molesters they, they interviewed, and they found that on average, basically 150 boys are abused per male homosexual child molester. 150. It's not just like one homosexual child molester is just raping one little boy in his lifetime and saying, well, I've done my satanic duty, now I'm going to go my merry way. No, he's doing it to 150 little boys. How, on God's green earth, this is happening without these devils being cut down by just, I mean, a, a dad that found out that this was happening. You know what I mean? To his little boy? Huh. I shudder to think. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I guess I probably wouldn't be too Christian uh, if I was in that situation. You know, with my daughter. I'm sorry. But uh, that's why I said, don't follow me. Uh, follow Jesus Christ because I'm not your example. I'm not your example. Okay, because I would get real righteous indignant and shudder to think what I would do. Okay, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's Christian, but I'm just saying, you know, red-blooded men, whether they're Christian or whether they're not, would if they've got any morality left in them, would view that as an absolute total abomination and should have a lot of righteous indignation. And righteous indignation is an attribute of God. Now, I know that we're not supposed to go around killing people. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying. 150 boys abused per male homosexual offender. And this data is decades old at this point. What is it now? It finds no equal in heterosexual violations. A, a heterosexual... Now, I'm not saying that heterosexual violators are good. Okay? I'm not saying heterosexual child molesters are good. But it says it finds no equal in heterosexual... Okay, so let's move forward here. Uh... There's three more links at the end of this particular little part, and it's homosexuals recruit public school children. That's another thing. It's a whole article report on that. I don't have even time to get into it. Huge recruitment at public schools. Huge uh, with the curriculum, with all of the perverse, debauched 
things they're doing in the public school system to defile the children, to get them into this lifestyle. You know, uh, they can't reproduce, so they have to recruit. You, Adam, Adam and Steve can't reproduce. Oh, well, we can get whatever, we can adopt or whatever. Yeah, and that's an abomination too. You know, I mean, and which leads me to the next thing, which it says, study finds homosexual parenting is dangerous for kids. Obviously, if they've got a, you know, this unbelievably disproportionate child molestation rate, obviously, if they adopt, you can't tell me that a lot of them don't do it for that exact reason, that they can defile this child they've adopted all the way growing up and, and do so acting like they're some kind of upstanding citizen. <laughs> Goes on all the time. You know, even if they didn't have that intention when they first adopted, that perverse temptation may rear its ugly head. And then, you know, whatever. So that's a total abomination, letting them adopt. And then homosexual teachers, eight times more likely to molest students. And that's just from what they know about. Eight times more likely. All of these red flag statistics that are all readily available, that are, that, you know, even the media tries to suppress, but you know, nobody, the, 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 the government and the media, you know, don't give any credence to any of it. Why? Because they're part of the agenda to bring about this debauched New World Order. Um, <clears throat> so, those are some other things you can look at. Now, let's go a little bit further here. And the next report is homosexual journalist. Now, here's a homosexual journalist admits Gay lifestyle is a sewer. <clears throat> the pro-sodomite media would have us all believe that all homosexuals are in a wonderful, long-term, committed relationship with only the other person. They are portrayed as just another kind of family, perfectly capable of raising children and making a value contribution, valuable con- contribution to society. <clears throat> but British broadcasting journalist Simon Francoise, Francoise, well, I don't know, Disagrees. Himself a homosexual, he produced a documentary for BBC called The Trouble with Gay Men. Now, here's a homosexual producing a documentary for liberal BBC called The Trouble with Gay Men. I'm really surprised they let him do this. After reviewing some graphic stories of group sexual encounters in a bathhouse, he asks, are we just swimming around in a sewer which we are sort of saying is normal? Of course they are. His conclusion is, quote, the gay lifestyle is incompatible with happiness and fidelity in human relations, end of quote. And here's a homosexual who's full of devils coming to this conclusion. This is because that promiscuity has become the norm, and this is what he's saying, okay? If Promiscuity is the norm. Why do we only hear of the committed relationships that deserve to be recognized with formal and legal marriage that are typically, uh, you know, uh, dissolved and not too long from the time they supposedly get married? It is because the sodomite lobby gained control of Hollywood and the news media and we are denied the truth. Studies have shown that even the small numbers of homosexuals who claim to be in a, quote, committed relationship have their own definition of monogamy. Okay? And again, their definitions would make an alley cat blush. Homosexual researchers Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madison found 
that, quote, the cheating ratio of married gay males, given enough time, approaches 100%. (laughs) I mean, these, these, these people are all true blue here. Hey, it's only approaching 100% on the cheating ratio. Come on! What are we all making such a big deal about? Many gay lovers, bowing to the inevitable, agree to a, quote, open relationship, for which there are as many sets of ground rules as there are couples. Hey, when you got a rubber ruler, you can stretch it any way you want it, right? These are their ground rules. In fact, another study concluded that 43% of male homosexuals 43% of male homosexuals have more than 500 partners in their lifetime. Only 43% of homosexuals have 500 partners in their lifetime? Only 500 other guys they're sleeping with? What's the big deal? Come on! I mean, can you imagine this? 500 Partners? I mean, that, that's, that's like, we're, we're approaching incomprehensible levels here. A smaller percentage had over a thousand partners. A thousand. One guy with, and again, doesn't this kind of line up with what we were seeing about the disproportionate ratios, like each homosexual child molester having on average 150 children he's molested? What? Yeah. But the media and Hollywood and Satan does a really good job of covering all this up and smoothing this all over so that the old satanic agenda can go forward at breakneck speed. That's what it all boils down to. Thus, the wonderful same-sex family image we are fed is largely a myth. The Bible is clear that God judges nations which give themselves over to homosexuality. See Jude 7, we'll read that a little bit later. That homosexuality is filthy conduct. 2 Peter 2, verses 6 and 7. That homosexuals, now again, this is out of a King James Bible, not out of one of these New Age perverted versions that have removed all references to homosexuality being bad. Anyway, that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, that homosexuality is unnatural and shameful, Romans 1, 26 through 27, and the Bible makes clear that not only those who practice such things, but also those who approve such things are deserving of the righteous judgment of God, are worthy of death, is what it says in Romans 1, 32. Okay? So when this guy, this NFL player, says he thinks it's so wonderful that he sees this, these two gay male, one of them is the new football guy, and they're, they're, they're in this passionate kiss, and he's shown his 12-year-old that he thinks it's just so, this wonderful moment or whatever. You're approving of this wickedness. You're condoning this. You're telling your 12-year-old, hey, it's okay to be gay. If you wind up that way, whatever. You're basically ask, telling God, I'm worthy of death. I mean, because it's, you know, this is reprobate evil behavior. Leviticus 20.13 says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, meaning men with men, 
or woman with woman, both of them have committed an abomination. That's what the Bible says. They shall surely be put to death. Okay, now, remember what I said before about the death sentence if they molest children. Okay, Jesus Christ even said that. Okay, here in the Old Testament where this was, you know, part of the moral commandments, back then it was a death sentence. Okay, and it says their blood shall be upon them. It was a death sentence. So in God's eyes, you know, this is a sentence worthy of death. Now, again, the, the ones that have come out of the lifestyle and are, let's say, a committed Christian now, and there's not a lot of them, but there are some, we're going to get into that a little bit later, you know, obviously God's had mercy on them. You know, but I'm just saying, this is the way it was in the Old Testament. Um, it's no less of an abomination in God's eyes. And the Bible says, I am God, I change it not. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Okay, so it's still the same equal abomination in God's eyes. Even though we're not under Old Testament Levitical law. But it's just as grievous to God as it ever was. Leviticus 18, and again, it's because of what it does to the society. It totally, absolutely decimates it. It got, was so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah that there was no righteous people left. It had so permeated, these devils had so permeated, the curses they had brought upon themselves had so permeated society, he had to destroy all the cities in, in like, in, in, in that area with fire and brimstone to purge this wickedness from the land. God didn't just do that because he, he thought it was fun. He did it really because there was no other choice. Other than, okay, let it permeate further and let it defile the land further. That's what it does. Leviticus 18, 22-25, and this proves this, how it defiles the land. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. It also talks about bestiality, doing the same thing. Uh, Anyway, defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. Don't do it. For in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. It says the nation is defiled. It isn't just about two gay guys, you know, being with one another. What, what you know, like what we do behind closed doors is our business or whatever they say. No, it's not. It's defiling the land. It's literally defiling the nation. Because this is going on, in all these, the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. It defiles the whole nation. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit... So what's the result of all this? What's the result of the land being defiled, the nation being defiled, this homosexual activity? What is the result? Well, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. Well, the iniquity thereof is whatever sins are being committed. Okay, so now you're going to get to reap what you've sown, is what the Bible's saying. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Now, when we go into the next parts, I'm going to go into a four-part study. Okay, uh, not a four separate parts, but a four-part thing we're going to be covering from Dave Hodges. Remember all of the, kind of remember, keep these in the back of your mind as we're going through this. Because I look at all the things that are most likely coming upon America. Okay? And I look at these verses and I realize that this is all God's righteous judgment 
that we collectively have permitted. I'm not saying my listeners, but I'm saying America in general, because of what they've allowed to go on, because of, even if they didn't do it, what our legislators have allowed, what the government has allowed and condoned, what Hollywood has allowed and condoned, what society, liberal, lukewarm, Christianity, um, you know, preachers from the pulpit have not said or condoned. The land is going to vomit without her inhabitants, for the most part. Luke 17.28. Let's bring this all, tie this all together. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. This is Jesus Christ talking. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Every one of them were destroyed in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around about. Even thus shall it be in the day of the, when the Son of Man is revealed. So, there, we're, we're talking about the return of Jesus Christ. We're talking about, you know, the tribulation time. time. We're, we're obviously very much upon that, approaching this. Okay, so, and we're seeing the same type of behavior in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at the first three headlines that I just covered, which were the top three reports on Drudge, which were the top reports on CNN today. Look at what is being glorified. So, this isn't just about me raving about how wicked the whole LB, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered lobby. This is about judgment that this planet, that America richly deserves coming upon it. Okay? And I don't mean like a righteous remnant. But I'm talking about society in general. I'm talking about the wicked and corrupt politicians. I'm talking about all these preachers that have condoned this behavior and the lukewarm parishioners that have went along with it or people that haven't spoken out against wickedness, that have taken no stand, that the Laodicean Christian of Revelation 3, they're neither hot nor cold, nor, but they're just lukewarm. God says he's going to vomit them out of his mouth. Here it's talking about God's going to vomit out her inhabitants because of what's been done to the land. And this doesn't even get into the how the land's been defiled through all the abortion clinics. And all the innocent blood crying out from the land from there. I, I can't even imagine. Jude 1 through 6. And, and you know, people, this thing with the, no, it was the Sethites. It was the godly Sethites that came down and procreated with the women of Genesis 6. If they were godly, why did they produce such a wicked race? Number one. Why were they giants? Hmm. Kind of weird. They weren't even fully human. They were called Nephilim, is translated from the Hebrew, which means fallen ones or giants. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Then you have Jude 1 6, which says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, meaning their first home, their first habitation, they left heaven. The angels, not the godly line of Seth, but the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, 
He hath preserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. It doesn't sound too good. When did this take place? Genesis 6, obviously. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. Well, the sons of God, see, they, they were they were just uh, sons of God. They were, they were men. Sons of God in the Old Testament is only, that phrase is only, do a keyword search for it. Go up to Blue Letter Bible, do a keyword search for sons of God. It is only ever in reference to angels in the Old Testament. There's like five instances of it. Most of them are in Job. Every single time, it's clear that we're dealing with angels. In the New Testament, the phrase is used, which obviously is translated from uh, Greek and Aramaic, Old Testament Hebrew, but in the New Testament, it is used as a born-again Bible believer. But it's not the same context in the Old Testament. If we compare Scripture with Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, if we're good Bereans, okay, if we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, we will see that the term sons of God only is in reference to angels in the Old Testament. It's a no-brainer. But that so scares so many people, the fact that they thought, well, yeah, but it says that, Jesus said, as it was the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. If the sons of God came down and procreated with women in the days of Noah, that means some really scary stuff's ahead for us. Oh well. Oh well. It's time to man up. In the name of Jesus Christ, it's time to man up, men. Sorry. I'm not talking to my listeners. I'm talking about people in general. I'm not saying I'm great or wonderful or like I'm going to like conquer the world or whatever. But I believe I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. These are all Bible verses I'm giving you. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against them. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Okay? That's what I believe. I, I, I just do. And I want you to believe it. And I want you, and if you don't feel, well, I don't have faith. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to the word of God more. Read the word of God more. It'll build your faith. Pray for faith. The Bible says if you don't feel like you have faith, ask for it, and it will be given. But ask in faith, not wavering, okay? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, so... Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 verse 1. So, anyway, I kind of got off track there. So, let's go further here. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, this is an example. Okay? The angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, yet preserved in the chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Where's a parallel example of this? Well, the next verse. Verse Jude 7, basically Jude verse 7, because it's only one chapter. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication are and going after strange flesh. Strange flesh. Men with men. The women were probably with all the women too, but it doesn't say anything about that. They were giving themselves over to fornication. It's the exact same parallel as in Noah's day, where the angels 
went after strange flesh, which was women, which they should have never been with. Just like men should never be with men. It always results in wickedness and the land being defiled. And death. Going after strange flesh are set forth for an example. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Who's that example for? Howdy doody? Mickey Mouse? No, it's for us. It's for humanity in general. It's for the gay people. Maybe they look at that and they say, oh man, maybe I need to rethink this whole gay agenda thing. I really don't want to end up in the lake of fire and in hell. I really don't. No, no, let's let's just embrace it and glorify. Oh, there's no repercussion for this lifestyle ever. Oh, you're only going to live to be 39 years old on average and you're going to get all kinds of diseases and you're going to have unbelievably increased rates of getting HIV and sexually transmitted diseases and dying in a car accident and committing suicide and a, a disproportionate level of being a child molester and then all this other garbage that goes along with it, all these other statistics that I've been citing. But don't worry about any of that. You know, I'm Satan. I'm your good buddy. Hey, come on. Do it. It feels great. Just, you know, whatever. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. That's what Satan will tell you. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. Not because I'm sanctimonious or holier than thou. I think that I'm better than gay people either because I'm not saying that. If I got what I deserved, Scott Johnson would get death and hell. Okay? Apart from Jesus Christ, that's all I deserve. Period. So, you know, I'm not saying that either. But this is, this, these things, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angels who are, who are, who are in, reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, under the judgment of the great day, that came down and procreated with the women and had that race of giants, and it got so bad that God had to wipe out the whole earth with the flood. Why? Because the land had been so defiled, he had to essentially start over with eight people. Noah and the ark of the flood and the animals. Even the animals have been defiled. They had to start over. That's how bad it got. Well, here we are again. As in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the, when the Son of Man is revealed. <laughs> We're, we should be on the lookout for all this, in other words. As in the days of Noah, too. I've gotten into that many times. Now let's let's look at let's look at Genesis nineteen, verse one, and um, we're going to look at just most of it where it talks about this subject because I think this really ties into things. Okay, let me see where I'm at on time. Okay, there came two angels to Sodom at even. Now this is where we get the word sodomy, sodomite. They got they got the the whole word named after their city. Okay. This is where the term was coined. And there came two angels to Sodom and Eve. Now, typically, angels in the Bible always appear as good-looking men. Typically. I mean, you look at the Bible, they don't appear with wings. Okay? They don't appear as women. I've already done a, a, a teaching on angels with wings appearing as women. Just keying angels or wings. That is wickedness. Women with wings that appear as angels. That's always wickedness. You got any of those little figurines in your house? You got any of that religious iconography or whatever it's called? The Godhead is not like unto graven images. You got any pictures of Sananda Emmanuel or Master Jesus in your house? Get it out of there. 
It's an ascended master. It's not even, I mean, the, the Jesus that will end up appearing will most likely look like that dude. But the Jesus in the Bible, it says that there was no beauty in him that we would desire him. Those, those, those came from the Catholic Church. Those images, okay? I've even found out a little bit more about that lately. I'm just going to cover this super quick, okay? I just found this out not too long ago. Um, this New Age Christ, this New Age Jesus, we're going to see him in, when, the, when the Ascended Masters make their big debut and these people and these beings that come back that say that they're going to, whatever, have all everything figured out and they're going to help us rule. We're going to take us to the old new world and the new world order and they're going to give us godhood and this life. And they're going to, hey, you know, yeah, you got to take this little thing called the Mark of the Beast, but hey. Um, they're going to give us all this technology and things of this nature. Well, these images of the supposed Jesus are actually, um, if you go way, way, way back, okay, to where they originally came from, the picture that you see in all these churches and so many places that you go is a picture of a guy named Caesar Borgia, okay, he was the son of Pope Alexander IV, um, who was um, a gangster, warmongering, greedy, orgy-having, running a continual criminal empire pope. Typical, okay? This was the son of that gangster, warmongering, greedy, orgy-having, running his criminal empire pope, Pope Alexander IV, okay? Who was originally known as Ro- Rodrigo Borgia, okay? Um, it says in this picture, it says, my dad, this is like him talking, the Caesar Borgia, which my dad forced my image on the church and made you worship it ever since 1490. This Pope brought this image out of his son. And this is where we got the image of this long haired, which is unbiblical. Okay. Um, where do we get that at? 1 Corinthians 11.14 Doth not even nature itself teacheth you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. It is not biblical for a man to have long hair. It is biblical for a woman to have long hair. Okay? And I believe you go look in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 11.14. It explains that. Okay? In Isaiah 53.2, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant... And is a root of dry ground. This is describing Jesus Christ. He hath no form nor comeliness, meaning he hath no, he's not like, um, well here, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is how Jesus appeared on planet earth. Okay? In other words, Jesus Christ was not outwardly or physically handsome like all the pictures we see. On the right, which is, I got a picture of this Sinan Emmanuel, Jesus, who was actually Caesar Borgia. The word comeliness above is translated four times as beauty. Beauty. Okay? Jesus was not some Adonis walking around with long hair and in... We get these images from the Catholic Church. Um, Michelangelo... um, who lived from March 6th, 1475 to February 18th, 1564, 
was the Italian sculptor, painter, architect, and engineer of the High Renaissance who exerted the unparalleled influence in the Western, in the development of Western art. Well, guess what? Michelangelo lived from 1475 to 1564. Guess when this Caesar Borgia was living, okay? And when this image, when his image was forced on the people in the Catholic Church, that was 1490. Michelangelo was alive the exact same the exact same time this pope was around and this guy Caesar Borgia his son was living. So there's, you know, this it's not a coincidence that all this was going on at the same time. So anyway, I just wanted to get into that. That that's going to I'm telling you that one thing alone what I just got into is going to deceive so many people. Oh, I saw Jesus coming back in the clouds. And then the Bible talks about, you know, if you see if you see people saying, Jesus is here, Jesus is there. That was one of the things Jesus was warning about in Matthew 24. Believe it not. Okay? But so many people, particularly Catholics, and a ton of lukewarm Christians, and a ton of people elsewhere are going to fall hook, line, and sinker just because this dude that's coming back looks exactly like the guy on the wall at my church or in my, in my, um, or in my uh, house. Better get those cursed objects out of your house. All that garbage. There's no Bible for having angels and, and pictures of angels and pictures of, of female angels with wings and pictures of Jesus. There is none. The Godhead is not like that of gold and silver or graven art. The Bible's very clear on that. We don't need that garbage in our house. When in doubt, get it out. You're probably bringing a curse on yourself. And these things have spirits that are attached to them. And you're bringing a curse on yourself by having them in your house. I'm sure I'm making a lot of friends today. I'll see, the, I'll see my subscriber list go way down after this. After this uh, <laughs> my subscriber list goes up. Usually when I release the teaching, it goes down. It's, that's why it's been so slow, slow going to build my email list. Because typically I release a teaching and it will go down. <laughs> it's when I don't post a teaching, it's when it goes up. Then when people realize what I'm about, when they actually hear one of my teachings, they're like, oh man, I'm out of here. <laughs> so the subscriber list goes down. Well, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16, yes, most of the time, you tell someone the truth, you become their enemy. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's the norm. He who trusted that his own heart is a fool, and the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't trust your heart. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, flesh, some guy, some woman, some person they're putting all their faith and hope in. I got an email the other day about a preacher, and the lady said, I'll do whatever he says, tells me to do about some preacher. I'm like, are you kidding me? What if he tells you to go jump off a cliff? What if he tells you to worship Satan? Well, he's my pastor, and I'm going to do whatever he said. No, you don't. You compare it with what the Word of God says, and if he's telling you to do something, then don't do it. So I tell people, don't follow me. I'm a man, I can fail you. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. Anyway, let's go further here. I know this is a really lighthearted, kind of whimsical, fluff teaching. And I'm honestly what happened is Joel Osteen and Benny Hinn, um, both, and, and Rick Warren, all sent me their, their sermons they were doing today. And what I did is I combined them into like this trifecta teaching. 
that I'm giving you today. So I'm kind of plagiarizing, I'll be honest. And, and I feel bad about it, but at the same time, I kind of feel like the big man on campus, having those, those, the big guys there give me their, uh, give me some of the best stuff, you know, so I can launch it out of the cannon and, and bring it to you, you know? Anyway, so let's, uh, obviously a lot of sarcasm in there. Uh, let's go further here. And there came two angels to Sodom, Genesis 19.1, at even, meaning at evening. And Lot sat at the gate in Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Lot was, was astute enough to be able to know that when he saw these angels, they were holy, and he gave them reverence. I'm not saying we should worship angels, but he gave them reverence. He knew this. He was at the gate. That's typically a position of honor. Lot had to have had to have compromised enough where I guess he must have looked the other way enough where he still was at the gate, which was a position where only like the elders and the leaders of the city would be. Um, but still he was there. He was someplace where he really should not have been, obviously. I mean, we're going to see that in a second. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And now, think about it. He knows how wicked the city is. Okay? He knows all of the devils that are in this city. He sees these two good-looking guys who are angels walk up, and he's like, oh, oh no, no, uh, I pray you uh, turn into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and rise up early and go on your ways. He's like, I want to get them in and out of here. I want to get them under my roof as quickly as possible so that they're not exposed to all this wickedness that I know exists here. I mean, I'm trying to surmise what's going through his head. I think I'm pretty accurate. Okay, I mean, if you were in his position, wouldn't you kind of do the same thing? I mean, it'd almost be so incredibly embarrassing to admit you lived in such a cesspit as this sewer that they lived in, okay? So, and they said, nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Meaning the angel said, no, we're going to stay in the streets there uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and he pressed upon them greatly. He's probably begging the angels at this point. <laughs> saying, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Okay, so he's convinced them, they're staying there. But before they lay down, in other words, before they all went to sleep, the men of the city, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round. Wow, all the Sodomites were literally surrounding Lot's house? Both old and young. Old perverts, young perverts, they had all been defiled. This is what is the logical conclusion when you let these devils take over. This is how bad it gets. If you just give them carte blanche, do whatever you want, we'll accept you any way you are. Well, you know what? They start to impose their will on other people sooner or later. And it gets really, really nasty ugly. They compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. It says all the people. They were all totally defiled, dark, and... I mean, he killed all the people, didn't leave one. 
There wasn't any worth, there wasn't any righteous man or woman worth saving, is how bad it got. I mean, God, Lot even went to, you know, God and said, okay, if there's like so many righteous men and, and there wasn't, and they're, they're so, okay, it didn't happen. So, let's go further. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, the, the, the Sodomites, all the people that had compassed the house round about, they were totally surrounded, okay? And they called a lot and said unto him, We are the men which came into the, or no, where are the men that came into thee this night? Those good looking guys that you ushered through the streets, don't think we didn't notice them, us Sodomites. Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Okay? The King James Bible is very genteel in the way it puts things, okay? It doesn't put things in, in perverted ways, okay? But I think you get the picture that we may know them. And they're not going to sit down and play pinochle, you know, or a game of Scrabble. They weren't called sodomites for nothing. This is where we coin the term. That's their version of knowing somebody, okay? And Lot went at the door unto them and shut the door after him. So in other words, he went out and shut the door behind him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wicked. He's calling these devils brethren. Do not so wickedly. Because he realized it was wicked. Okay. And here's where, and then he says, that, and see, I don't, this, I just don't, don't, never, ever, ever will understand this one. Maybe when, I, I guess when I get to heaven, but I don't understand it in this life. Okay. He says, Lot says to them, behold now, I have two daughters, which have not known a man. He had two virgin daughters. Um... Let me, I guess, I guess, you know, they were still virgins. They probably didn't have to worry a lot about men messing with them because all of the guys were gay. I don't know. I don't know if that's the way, you know. Anyway, he says, let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do to them as is good in your eyes. What? Are you stinking kidding me? You're... Listen, those angels are big boys. They can handle themselves. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no way that's happening. I'll die first. Okay? Uh-uh. So, bring them out on you and do to them as is good in your eyes. Oh, man. Lot, dude. Don't understand this one and whatever. But only unto these men do nothing. He was more concerned about the angels than he was his own virgin daughters. Anyway, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, the gay guys, the, all the sodomites, and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn. In other words, Lot came to their city. It talks about this when he split from, from Abraham, Abraham, and Lot chose this city. Okay? He chose it because of kind of the lust of his eyes type of thing. Oh, it's whatever. Okay, so now he's reaping what he sowed by choosing this wicked city to, to dwell in. He says, this one fellow came into sojourn, and he need and, and he will needs be a judge. This is the same line we get from the same sodomite homosexual devils now. Oh, don't you judge us, you Christian, you hypocrite, you sanctimonious holier than thou. We'll do whatever we want. You're no better than us. 
And this is this is their rallying cry because they can cry po- politically correct. How dare you judge us? So then, what that does is people say, "Oh no, no, I don't want to be anything. I don't. I want to be politically correct. You do whatever you want." Because they're accusing me of being judgmental. Yeah, I am judgmental. You're right about this issue. Very, very much so. And he needs to be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. In other words, I guess they're going to sodomize. Lot now and do it to him in such a way where he'll probably be dead at the end. Okay, which is, I mean, essentially what they're saying. I'm, I'm basically just defining terms here. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door because these guys really, really, really wanted to, you know, have homosexual sex with these two angels, and they were they were in a froth and frenzy to do that. Okay. But the men put forth their hand, meaning the angels put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the, to shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness. So the angels made them all blind. Okay? Both small and great. So that they wearied themselves to find the door. Even though these devils these demon-infested vessels from the pits of hell, sodomites, were blind. All of a sudden, they're all blind. You would think that would kind of freak you out, you know? If you're, oh, wow, I'm blind now. I can't see a thing. I'm going to back off. No, no, no. That didn't even stop them. They wearied themselves to find the door. That is how sick, disgusting, perverted, debauched, and debased these devils of Sodom were. They didn't even care they were blind. We still got to find the door. Can you imagine? And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. In, In other words, All of the people they've probably killed, defiled, destroyed, all the little ones they've defiled, the cry of them is waxen, meaning it's grew great before the face of the Lord. See, God sees all this stuff. He sees what we do in the privacy of wherever we're at. Or, in this case, they were probably out in public. I don't know. And... And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. The angels were there to sent to destroy it. And they were sent there to get Lot and his family out of there before the Lord destroyed the city. To cleanse the land. To purge this curse off the land. And that's that's all, you know, as far as for our the study that I'm talking about right now, that's, that's what we need to know. That's the message we need to have. So, uh, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. I mean, yeah. The, the, the Bible talks about the land vomiting out her inhabitants. We look at Sodom and Gomorrah, what literally happened to it. We look at how this nation has... I mean, what it's... It's just not here, obviously. Okay? It's just not here. But the world in general, what it's becoming. Man, I'll tell you. Some rough times ahead. Now, this is ending one of the main articles that we were actually reading from originally. And it says, Our message to homosexuals is a simple one. The state cannot protect you from the just judgment of God. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what protection Obama gives you, who's always a fellow 
devil, debauched sodomite himself. Okay? Doesn't matter what he gives you. Okay? He can't protect you from the judgment of God. He can't protect himself from the judgment of God. Federal law will do you no good when you stand before God on judgment day. Good point. You might, do you think the, the, the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah were, were, were crying out for their just judges of Sodom to protect them from the fire and brimstone? I don't think so. It wasn't going to do them a whole lot of good. You know? You must be born again to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform your life. Though most of all American Christianity wants to accommodate your sin, you have no special rights when you stand before God. It is the same for all men. Repent and believe. Now, I'm going to end this portion by this part where it's entitled, Former Editor of the Young Gay America Turned Christian Celebrates Marriage to Wife. A former founding editor for a prominent homosexual magazine is celebrating his recent marriage to his wife and is addressing the critics who have blasted him for turning his back on the homosexual lifestyle. Because, oh, you can't have this getting out, that, that you can actually convert somebody... And, and they can actually get saved and, and, and get out of the home. No, no, no. No, you're born gay. You, 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 we, we can't let that secret get out, that, that you couldn't ever turn from that sin and, and actually be an upstanding Christian. No. So they're going to blast him, of course. Michael Glatz says that he left homosexuality six years ago by, uh, by the prompting of the Lord after working as the editor of Young Gay America for over a decade. This isn't a guy that was just like, well, I'm having feelings about a guy. No, this is a dude that was the editor of Young Gay America for over 10 years. He says, quote, I want to make a little shout out to all the angry homosexuals in our country who are currently spending all, spreading all sorts of hate and aggression against me on pro-homosexual blogs. Look, I'm not interested in even defending myself. I mean, I love that. The guy don't even care about defending himself. He said, I have as much right to my point of view as anyone else has to theirs, though. Glatz continued by stating that he is thankful for the work that God has done in his life and can't help but to share that with the world. God bless him. He says, I'm here to live a good, God-honoring life. He wrote, and as a Christian, I would be a liar if I didn't tell people who God is what he has done in my life and how he continues to provide for me and now, thank God, my family in ways more numerous than I can count. End of quote. If you want to read the full thing there, there's a link there. So, you know, it can happen. Is it prevalent? No. But it can happen. You know? And and call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I am the God, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So, again, you know, no, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. So, um, we are over time on this version two and I will end part two here and go to part three next. God bless you.